Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you're having a wonderful week so far. Uh, this week's podcast, we are going to be talking about different types of walks that you can take with your dog. But before we get into that, I want to announce that we have launched our own Patreon page. And our Patreon page is to allow supporters like yourself to support the podcast monetarily. Uh, we have different tiers that you may support us with, and each tier kind of gives you something a little different. You can do a general support uh, all the way up to having uh, live events that you are going to be invited to via Zoom, um, as well as question and answer sessions and free training videos. So go and check out our Patreon page. It's just patreon.com slash dogspeak. You can also find the link in the show notes. Uh, we really appreciate you guys, and we hope that uh, you'll be able to support us, uh, not just by listening and sharing, but if uh, you feel the need um, and the ability, we would appreciate any support so we can continue to offer you guys uh, all this information that we are trying to get to you. And the mini training videos, they're going to be focused on on a lot of the things that we talk about in our episodes. So go and check that out. Uh, don't feel pressured. We just appreciate that you do listen and you do share this with family and friends. All right, right on to the episode. I don't like to spend too much time doing announcements and other things. I like to jump right into it because once I get talking, kind of hard to slow me down. Uh, so let's talk about walks. Um, you know, this is not going to be a leash walking episode. I'm not going to talk about how to walk your dog. We do have episodes for that. And 
you'll be seeing some mini training videos on that as well um, as we continue throughout the year. Uh, but today I want to talk about the types of walks uh, based on what your main goal is. When people walk their dog, uh, many times the main goal is for physical exercise. Uh, and physical exercise is important, and walking is a great way to do it. But if you often get out in the backyard and throw the ball or a frisbee, or if you have kids that are running with the dog, uh, that's physical exercise as well. So your walk is not necessarily, uh, shouldn't it shouldn't be necessarily focused on just the physical exercise. I think that when we focus our walks on physical exercise only, we tend to allow bad behavior. And I think that we can allow for different walks but still make sure that we are teaching the dog appropriate manners when on a leash or when walking with us. And so today, I want you to start thinking about what kind of walks do you typically take with your dog? Uh, so, of course, our physical walks. Uh, basically, your physical walk is, you know, you're just getting the dog out there and you're just getting them exercise. And uh, there are different ways of doing that, but also there are different levels of stimulation that you're giving. If you're just walking around the neighborhood uh, and it's your neighborhood and your dog's been around the neighborhood quite a bit, yes, the physical exercise is there, but it's definitely going to be a lot less mental stimulation just because there's not a whole lot of new things for the dog to uh, take in. He's going to more or less know where certain dogs are, more or less where uh, the rabbits hang out or the squirrels hang out or where he can always guarantee that the mailbox has the mail um, odor on it. And so it's physical exercise, but there's not a lot of mental stimulation to it. For me, I want to make sure that I am combining uh, mental stimulation with my physical walks. I think mental is a lot more important than physical. Uh, physical is important, don't get me wrong, but mental stimulation is, is really good because the dogs need that satisfaction of the, their brain being worked and so many times we just don't give them enough of the mental stimulation so you can actually take your walks and make it as mental if not more mental than physical and that is about keeping your dog kind of tuned in giving your dog um, extra things to maybe sniff or problem solve over and so when you focus more on making sure that your dog is getting more of a mental walk, your physical walks can actually be a little shorter. The time doesn't have to uh, be as long. So don't think that you have to walk your dog one or two miles a day or for 30 minutes a day. Uh, that's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure on you. Uh, so I want people to focus more on the mental aspect of things. So, you know, if you're looking at something physical, let's say... Uh, going for a hike. That is a good physical exercise for both you and the dog. But it's less mental if the dog is on leash. If the dog is on leash, um, then you're just pretty much kind of just heading down that path. Your dog's not getting a lot of time to sniff um, and really investigate things. Uh, so it's just more of kind of go, go, go to where the heart rate stays steady, but the mental heart rate does not. And so if you can walk your dog uh, or hike your dog off leash, they're going to get a lot more mental stimulation because they have an opportunity to really investigate things. And of course, that's not necessarily safe for everybody and you want to train your dog to be off leash. But I just want you to start thinking about how, you know, if, if you come back from a hike and your dog is not really that, um, you know, sleepy or tired or satisfied, you have to think about, well, why not? More than likely, it's because it wasn't as mentally stimulating 
as it could have been. When you're doing walks, say you're taking your dog to a downtown location and you're walking sidewalks, uh, there are a lot of people, there are storefronts, there are a lot of smells, there are a lot of noises. That is going to be more mental stimulation than actually physical stimulation because really your speed of walk is going to have to slow down. Um, and more than likely, you're going to have uh, some stops and starts, but the mental is going to be big because your dog is going to have to really adjust their thought process and adjust the way that they handle situations so there's some problem solving that's taking place. So that's actually going to be a little bit more stimulating for your dog. Anytime that I am taking my dog for a walk, I want to make sure that they are tuned into me, uh, that I can get their attention when I need it, not just when something distraction uh, distracting is around. If you wait to get your dog's attention to when a distraction is there, you're probably not going to have a lot of success. You want to keep your dog tuned in. Not that he has to stare at you, but that he just needs to be able to listen that if you're changing directions or if you do need to stop or you need him to respond to a command, he's already tuned in and can do that. And staying tuned in is going to mean that he has more mental stimulation happening during that exercise than without. And think about if you go for a walk by yourself, no people, no dogs, just you, you may be listening to your headphones uh, or you just may be listening to nature. It's a very relaxing walk. There's a, not a lot of mental stimulation. So when you come you know, back from your walk, you may be a little physically tired, but there was no real mental satisfaction there other than maybe just decreasing your stress. If you walk with someone to where you have to stay tuned in and listen to their stories and talk back and forth, then you're going to be more mentally tired because you had to stay tuned in. And that's what we want with our dogs. We can't just look at physical. We have to make sure that we're looking at this mental with these guys and, and helping them to be satisfied there. Another one is when you are walking, making sure that you're really clear to your dog on what kind of walk it is. You don't want to allow your dog to sniff everything under the sun if you're trying to get from point A to point B. Um, so you've got to make sure you kind of differentiate to your dog that these are going to be certain types of walks. So let's start with like a physical walk. If I'm just doing physical walk, um, maybe I'm a speed walker, whatever, I'm going to give my dog the cue, uh, let's go, and we go. And we don't stop until I decide to stop. We don't stop to let the dog sniff. Uh, we don't stop to let him pee until we kind of give that permission. And this teaches the dog that once we're on the move, we need to keep moving. Let's say you start your physical walk and you want the dog to stop and sniff a certain area. Well, I think it's a really good idea to put that on command. So you can give your dog permission to go sniff. So maybe you stop in an area that you know there are a lot of really good smells and you say, go sniffy. And you give them a chance to sniff for as long as they want. You follow them. And then when you're done, you get back on track with your let's go and you keep moving. That way you're really telling the dog that it's okay now to put that nose down and really dig into there with that odor, but not when I'm trying to walk and get somewhere. See, the problem is people take these dogs for a walk. They don't put anything on command. They're just using the leash to communicate, which is just pulling and and dragging the dog or yanking the dog or whatever the case may be, you're using that leash to communicate. The dog can't read your mind when it's okay to stop and sniff and when it's not. So if you are somewhere, let's say that you're at a big box store and you're taking the dog through there, if you've not put the sniffy on command, then you're going to be stopping at every little spot for your dog to sniff. 
and then you're going to get frustrated because the dog's not going to just keep walking. So you have to be very clear on what is appropriate at that time for the dog. Find a permission word to use that it's okay to go sniff and that they are now kind of driving this walk. And if they're driving the walk, you follow. But when you're ready to drive, you say, let's go. And we get back on track and the dog knows that now he has to follow you. And this will really help for the dogs to understand what is appropriate and what is not appropriate and when it is and when it's not. So you just have to really be clear. Don't just think that your dog's going to read your mind or uh, whatever the case, because you're going to get mad at the dog at some point on that walk or on a walk, and it's not going to be the dog's fault. Uh, and of course, my job here is to talk to you and help you understand your dog and help you be as successful with your dog as possible. And being very clear in your communication will help you do that. Another thing that you really want to think about with walks is that if your dog is not really good at walking, you need to make sure that right now, every walk that you have is a teaching walk, which means that you are focused on your commands, you're focused on loose leash, you're changing directions, you're keeping your dog tuned in, and you're rewarding good behavior. If you try to go for a walk and you don't have rewards with you, then you're going to struggle because your dog is going to find a lot of rewards and you want to make sure that he understands that, yes, there are rewards out there that you will give him permission to receive, but you have to also have rewards. Uh, make it worthwhile to stay tuned into you and pay attention. Reward that good behavior when he's walking nicely. So you really want to make sure that you are focused on what you want during a walk. You communicate clearly to the dog what that looks like right now and reward the dog for doing the correct behavior at that time. Another way that you want to use some walks is if your dog is in a situation where maybe it's working, uh, maybe you're doing agility or uh, some nose work, or maybe you're just taking your dog in, uh, to somewhere that may be a little bit more stressful than they're used to. Uh, this is especially true for um, dogs that are reactive on leash. You'll want to have some decompression walks. Uh, so that your dog has an opportunity to decompress from any stress that may be occurring. So I focus mostly on leash reactivity. If I am working with a dog on leash reactivity, we do a lot of stationary work where we create distance, we watch from afar the trigger, we reward for good behavior, but we do it for a very short amount of time, and then we give the dog an opportunity to go on a snippy walk which would in this case be a decompression walk. It allows a dog to de-stress so that we can work it a little bit more in a stressful environment, which may be around other dogs, maybe loud noises, um, whatever the case may be that that dog is reactive to. It's typically other dogs. Uh, so you have that type of walk. So your decompression walk and sniffy walk will look real similar. You just want to make sure that you're communicating it to the dog. Um, and speaking of leash reactivity and uh, walking, if your dog has leash reactivity, please know that you need to work on the leash manners first and foremost before you work on the triggers. Uh, if I can't get a dog tuned in when there are no triggers around, then I'm going to fail when that trigger does occur. So you really do want to make sure that you're building a good solid foundation of how your dog needs to act on a leash. You need to get comfortable using the leash properly because leash reactivity is really going to 
really occur a lot of times from both the dog and the human. A lot of times it starts with the dog and then the way the human responds or reacts to it can create leash reactivity. So you really have to get some good habits within yourself on how you're walking and using your words and being very clear in your communication if you want to be successful with dealing with leash reactivity. Uh, if you're nervous or you're tensing up on that leash or you're yanking and you don't have clear commands, clear cues, then the dog is going to continue to fail and walks are going to be still very frustrating for you. So you may want to start a walk where there's no real distractions just to help your dog be successful. Now, speaking of distractions on a walk, and we're just going to talk a regular maybe neighborhood walk, if you have a dog who is wanting to sniff a lot, I'm a really big fan of walking my dog in the middle of the road. Now, obviously only do this if you can be safe and you can see traffic coming and going. Please don't do this in a busy area. But when you're walking your dog in the middle of a road, it allows you to change direction uh, very easily without having to step off into a ditch or um, into somebody's yard, things like that. But also, there's not as many distractions in the middle of the road if your dog is a sniffer. And so uh, by walking in the middle of the road, you're able to teach the dog that walking with you is rewarding. And not only is it rewarding while you're in the middle of the road, but a lot of times if you walk nicely in the middle of the road, you can then give permission to go sniff on the side of the road. Uh, so that is a great way to help your dog learn and decrease the amount of distractions that the dog has. If you're just walking on the side of the road, uh, say you have a sidewalk in a neighborhood, you've got smells on both sides of that because mostly you're going to have homes which also have odors coming from them. Uh, you're going to have mailboxes, you're going to have bushes, and the dogs are going to want to stop and sniff every little thing. So if you're able to walk in the middle of the road, again, please stay safe. Then it allows you to teach the dog the appropriate behavior for the certain cues and use those when your dog gets better, then you can move to where more distractions are. Uh, now, there are times that uh, your dog may just want to sniff and not necessarily go for a walk, or maybe the dog is in the mood to just walk. You have to kind of judge that and know your dog, but at the same time, you have to decide what you want the dog to be doing and communicate that verbally to your dog. Your dog cannot read your mind. Neither can your husband, neither can your wife, neither can your kids. All right, and neither can your friends. So communication is big. You've got to make sure that you are communicating clearly so the dog knows exactly what the expectations are um, because if not, then you're going to be inconsistent and the dog is going to fail and you're going to get frustrated and you're not going to want to walk your dog anymore. So please start communicating to your dog. Write down some commands. Write down things that may be easy for you. Uh, teach your dog a nice relaxed walk. Teach your dog to walk next to you if they need to. Um, but you need to make sure you have very clear verbal commands for that. All right, so, and you know, if you don't walk your dog because they do pull, um, that's something that you need to work on because uh, it's not fair to the dog. If, you know, people a lot of times tell me, well, I don't walk the dog because he pulls me. Okay, well, let's learn how to teach the dog to not do that instead of just avoiding it because when you avoid that enrichment for your dog, you're going to get other behavior problems. You're going to get other frustration um, and then, you know, if you have a dog that loves to sniff and that nose is constantly on the ground and that nose just doesn't come up for any type of treats, then find other ways to allow your dog to use his nose instead of just on walks. Uh, doing something like a snuffle mat for 
uh, breakfast or dinner, the snuffle mat is a great way for your dog to use his nose to root around to get his food. And this a lot of times can satisfy that need for sniff, 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 so that walks, they can actually just enjoy all the other uh, stimulation and the stimuli that are on the walks instead of just having that nose put to the ground. Uh, so I really want you to think about your walks and think about what you can do to improve your dog's behavior on walks and make sure that you are communicating very clearly to the dog. And of course, I encourage you if you are using any type of correction collar, like a choke chain prong collar, um, I do highly recommend that you get away from those, get away from any type of e-collar or shock collar. Uh, teach your dog to walk nicely using words so that you're not dependent on the leash and you're not having to physically manhandle your dog. Um, harnesses are fine if you're going to do a front clip harness. Uh, you just have to make sure that you continue teaching your dog, even if they're not yanking your arm out of the socket or you're not hearing them gag themselves. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can do to help with that walking, and I highly encourage that you practice it and maybe even just start in your own yard. Uh, but get out and, and practice with your dog. And uh, right now, we do uh, have... A couple more videos, a couple videos left on our YouTube page, but those videos are going to be going away, um, and the majority of our new videos will be on our Patreon page, so I do hope you go to the Patreon page and check it out. Uh, you can support us as little as $5 a month. Um, you can, uh, you know, support us going with more if you can afford that, and, and you feel like doing that. Uh, no pressure. I mean, we just really appreciate you guys, and uh, we we love that we get to do this. Uh, we just want to start to offer more and more. And of course, I do encourage you to please share our podcast, share our website, our Facebook page. If you uh, if you're a Patreon member, uh, thank you so very much. Uh, and if you are not on our Facebook page, make sure you go to Facebook Dog Speak One Hundred One and uh, like our Facebook page because we get a lot of we put a lot of information out there. A lot of times, I will do some live videos. Uh, and things of that, but uh, we really do, I would love to be able to uh, talk with some of you guys and, and have some live events via Zoom uh, and see some of your faces that I don't know, because um, there are a lot of you that are not local and uh, would love to see your faces and answer your questions and take your suggestions on episodes. If you have an idea that you would like uh, for an episode, please shoot us an email at info at dogspeak101.com um, and uh, we'll be putting those things together because we love hearing from you. So feel free to shoot us an email, say hi, uh, like us on the Facebook page, comment on the Facebook page, uh, and share it with all your family and friends. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. Um, and keep in mind, please keep your dog safe for Halloween this weekend, my favorite time of the year. Um, I will be celebrating whether we have kids or not. Um, Michael Myers will be out in my neighborhood and it is going to be fun. So I hope you enjoy your time. Keep your dog safe. Maybe put them in the back room with the music going or TV so they're not freaking out every single time somebody knocks or rings the doorbell. Um, so, and that, and just to let you guys know, one of the videos we are going to do is to show you how to condition the doorbell so that your dog is not barking every single time they hear doorbell, especially one on TV. Uh, so that's going to be a part of our Patreon page and our membership page. Uh, so exclusive training videos you will find. Uh, we appreciate you guys. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week.